0: Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. My grandfather, who was Superman, and uh, he, he unfortunately passed away a few years ago. But he was, as most of us, you know, remember our grandparents. He, I mean, he's, he's a superhero. When I was a kid, he would... Um, he would take me outside. It would be real late at night. And he would take me outside, and I would be terrified. You know, of course, you, know, you have to act more scared because he loves it. You know, if he thinks he's protecting you, he, like, really loves it if you're really terrified. And so he would make this, like, growling noise, and he would, of course, listen, I'm going to butcher this impression of him, okay? Just be prepared. He would make this growling noise, and he would go, oh, Lindsay, the, the booger is going to get you. I don't know what it was. I don't know what the booger was, but we would be out in the dark, and I would squeal and bury my face in his neck. And I never forget, I still remember the way he smelled. I still remember the way he felt and how safe I felt, even though, you know, there's no such thing as a booger in the woods. And it's not going to attack you at any given point in time, especially with Papa Bill holding you and the pistol in his pocket. We're pretty safe. <laughs> but in the woods of Alabama, that was such a great memory of knowing Papa's got me. I'm okay. No matter what comes at us, I'm okay. And then, of course, Casey, who I wish he was here. I miss him terribly. If all the days he had to be out of town, I had to be on Father's Day. And, of course, this morning my kids you know, made him a video and sent it to him, and it was really, really sweet. But Casey, there's really not even enough words in the English dictionary to describe him. He is constant. He never changes. The Casey you see on stage is the Casey at home, only you know a lot more introverted um he is he is just unwavering he has a strength that i've really seen in in few people and i'm not just saying that because you know i'm totally biased which i am but it is true in all the years that i've known him i've, I've been with him since i was 16 and in all the years that i've known him he is absolutely unchanging he is faithful beyond reason he is a prayer warrior more than anyone I've ever seen. He can quite literally quote the New Testament. <laughs> but, you know, he, he has spent his life living to a standard of righteousness and holiness and godliness. He never loses his temper. He always has patience with the kids. He's usually the one calming me down. I'm usually, you know, I sprout horns And start screaming at everybody in the house, you know, and he's the one, sweetie, it's okay, you know, but he, he is that he is to me the perfect definition, especially even, you know, given his upbringing, I've just been amazed to see the kind of father he is to our children. And so one of the things that I've realized with dads, and even the word talks about this, Paul says it, Uh, Paul says in the word to call, to call God father. You know, in Galatians and Romans, it says to call him Abba Father. Jesus said, whenever we pray, we pray to our Father. What does that mean? A father in the home is the picture of God to a family. You are, dads, you are the picture of Abba Father in the natural to your children. So when your children talk to you, when they see you, you are an image. You're like a holographic image of God the Father to them, how we talk to them. How you love them. How you forgive them. How like Papa Bill, whenever he held me when I was scared. That to me was an image of God. That to me is telling me, you know, there's going to be times in my life when I don't know what to do. And I'm terrified. But I know there's someone with great big arms. And he smells like this. And he looks like this. And I'm going to be okay. You know, and then there's times whenever I know I've really messed up. And I need, I, I'm just sorry and I messed up. I can think of Casey. You know, of someone who can forgive and love. You know, whenever I feel alone, you can think of my stepdad. You know, of someone that just loved beyond himself. You know, and each, each image painted a picture to me of God. And that is something that each of you do. And even if you're not a father in the natural, there is most likely somebody that is looking up to you. And you are painting a picture of Heavenly Father to them. Of how He loves them. How He accepts them. How He forgives them. And so, dads, if you're a dad in here, I want you to stand. Come on. <laughs> and I want everybody to acknowledge our dads in this room. And we thank you. We honor you. We give respect to you for the hard work and putting up with all of us women. My goodness. Thank you for what you do. You, you change our homes. You've changed our lives. And there's actually, there was a scientific um, poll done years ago where they actually tested the difference it makes in a child's life to have a father. A dad is a girl's first love. A dad is a boy's first hero. I mean, even down to, you know, academically, um, socially, emotionally, the security and the advancement that kids have whenever they have a secure father role is light years beyond what it, what it is if there's just a mother. And that's not to say that single mothers do a bad job. That's not it. It's just the role of a father is irreplaceable. And so we love each and every one of you dads. And never forget the importance that you are in our homes. Thank you, guys. You're the best. Okay, real quick. Go with me. I'm not going to keep you long. I'll try not to. Go with me really quick. I know this might be a a, um, little bit of a different verse for Father's Day, but it'll all tie in in a minute. Go with me to Matthew 7. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4. I'm in the Amplified for this. It says, do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority, as though assuming the office of a judge, so that you will not be judged unfairly. For just as you hypocritically judge others when you are sinful and unrepentant, so you will be judged. And in accordance with your standard of measure used to pass out judgment, judgment will be measured to you. Why do you look at the insignificant speck in an, that is in another's eye, but you do not notice acknowledge the egregious log in your own eye? So we're going to stop there. This message today, I'm calling it Breaking the Curse. And again, I, I know like the, the typical Father's Day is, um, you know, message would be, you know, talking to dads about, you know, things to do to be a, a you know, good father, a good example. But what I want to do today is I, I want to speak on Father's Day. I want to speak to the mothers. <laughs> and I know that sounds kind of backwards, but here's why. Um, in, in today's culture, really more than ever, there is, I believe, and society says, you know, there's an attack on women. Really, I think there's an attack on men. I think there's an attack on dads. You know, if you look at society talking about, you know, all of the minorities, and, and, and most, most people groups have a minority card to play. They do. You know, I'm a woman, so I'm going to play the victim card. And, you know, I am, um, no one lets me be what I want to be, and, you know, they're getting paid more than me because I'm a woman. Okay, whatever. But really, if you look at it, the working dad doesn't have a card. Most of the time, a a hardworking male cannot play a victim card. And everyone else can victimize themselves against them. And so today, I want to make sure we steer clear of being able to play that card. And I want us to take today just to talk about how we can honor in our homes, how we can honor and give respect and acknowledgement to the fathers in our home. For most of us, most of us adults, the father in our home is our spouse. Most of us, our dad doesn't live with us. And as an adult, you know, yes, you can honor your natural father, but now it's more about painting a picture to your children, to their father. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. I saw a post recently on Instagram and it, you know, it was honestly kind of funny. it made me laugh, but at the same time it kind of made me mad. Here's what it said. It was a towel It was a picture of a towel that this woman had in her kitchen. And on the towel, it was uh, like sewn in there. "Mom gets in car," has two sets of clothes for each child: snacks, drinks, itinerary and favorite toys. "Dad gets in car," quote, "How many kids are we supposed to have in here again?" Now, yes, it is funny, and I laughed. I laughed when I read it, and then I just got mad. And I thought, you know, if that was read backwards, what would happen? Okay, so, so listen to it backwards, okay? Dad gets in car, has two sets of clothes for each child, snacks, drinks, itinerary, and favorite toys. Mom gets in car. How many kids are we supposed to have in here again? Now it's not so funny, and if you really think about it, there would be blogs written. There's going to be lawsuits against the towel company. You know, oh my goodness, we've just been totally victimized. You know, how dare he say I'm not prepared? You know, but we have become so desensitized to our spoken words against the fathers and against the men in our lives. It's become commonplace to kind of picket them, you know, of like, I'm totally a mom. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Just, you just sit on the couch and I'll bring you a drink and your favorite snack, and I'll take care of everything. And that's just become normal life to us, to kind of even call up our friends, you know, and, and complain and nitpick about, you know, you won't even believe what he did today. Like, I was sitting here having to make dinner, and he just sat there. He literally just sat there, and I'm looking at him kind of throwing the eye like, hello, the kid's crying, can you help? And he just sat there. You know, and that, that becomes common. But if the roles were reversed— and if a man did that and a wife overheard him on the phone with his friend, man, listen. I was over here trying to take care of the light bulb and she, you know, and she was just sitting there, sitting there and I'm looking at her like, you know, would you please please go take care of the crying child in the room? Then automatically it's offense. And it's verbal abuse. You know, and we've we've just we have taken it so lightly, myself included, myself more than anyone, how easy it is to speak Curses against the fathers in our home. Now, we as a church, do we believe that, you know, we can speak the word and raise the dead? Yes? No? We believe that? Do we believe that we can speak the word and heal the sick? Yes, we believe that. The word talks about that. The word talks about, you know, Jesus sitting the, the word, the centurion's son, and the son is healed. We can, we can send the word and give life. Now, if that's true... Could we send a word and bring death? Yeah. yeah, we can. We can send a word and bring curses. It's just as easy to do that. In fact, it's actually easier to bring a curse or to bring death to a home than it is to bring life. Now, in Proverbs 21, it actually says in the message version, it says, Words kill, words bring life. They are either poison or fruit. You choose. That was one of the most gripping verses I have ever read. Here's why. Um, I don't know if many of you, um, I know some of you do, know mine and Casey's story. If you if you don't know, raise your hand for me just so I can kind of get a gauge if you don't know our story. Okay. Casey and I, real quick, and I promise this, this ties in. Really quick, Casey and I, we got married Valentine's Day of 2005. I know it's the sweetest day of the year. And we are going on 14 years. And... Casey for all the years that I've known him like I said before he's he's the most kind loving tender-hearted person you will ever meet and even his kind of quietness his introvertedness it was it was so attractive to me cuz I'm not that way in any capacity I am the extrovert, he is the introvert, and it works. And there was something, you know, in his quietness, it was so mysterious. It was like, oh, you're like a present I get to open every day, because you're like, you're just new. Every, this is great, you know? And I just, we, we fell in love instantly. We fell in love when I was 16 years old. We married when I was 18. He was 22. We had our beautiful daughter, Annalise. We had Katie. But what was lying underneath the surface that nobody saw was a pain in my own life um, pain from my parents' divorce, kind of that insecurity that, you know, a young girl can have where there was just nothing he could do to meet that need. And really, it was never Casey's job to meet that need. It was God's. And it was my job to allow God to fulfill that place in my heart. And instead, I didn't do that, and I put the pressure on Casey. and he, It was absolutely impossible for any natural person to meet that and so I spent my teen years, prior to Casey and I getting together, I spent my teen years from guy to guy to guy to guy. You know the story, typical story. So, I mean, we've all heard it a million times from a million other women. However, whenever I hit probably 20-ish, 21, 22, I began to go head first into my job. My job at first became the other man. I was a dancer. I was a choreographer. I did it for 16 plus years. And that became my security because there it was meeting a need. It was meeting kind of this emptiness I needed for validation and affection and acceptance. And so, long story short, I ended up with a dance partner. I know he and I never, we were never physical, it never became physical, but it was completely emotional. And little by little, over the course of four, four to five years with this dance partner, my heart began to leave Casey more and more, and it began to go toward this direction more and more, toward this other guy, toward this job. In 2014, uh, we separated, and I filed for a divorce. And because I knew society would never forgive me if they knew, I've cheated on my husband. No, not sexually, but really, what's the difference if your heart's gone? And so I knew society would never, they would never be okay with it. They would never accept me as a minister. They would never accept me as a person if they knew that's what it was. So I knew I have to, I have to pin this on him somehow to at least make it forgivable for me to do this. And so I accused Casey of abuse. Mind you, for those of you who know Casey, he's the last person in the world that could be accused of abuse. So I had to take certain things, you know, typical disagreements any married couple would have. And I totally twisted them. You know, there, there would be a time, you know, he and I are in the bathroom talking and like the girls are trying to come in. And so he closes the door and locks it because, you know, we're having an adult conversation and they can't come in. And so in the divorce papers I put in, he locked me in the bathroom and wouldn't let me out. It's total abuse. I mean, come on. But that's what I knew I have to, and that, I, I really did that. And I knew those are the kind of things I have to do to make him look like the bad guy and to put this on him so that I can walk away clean. And no, people will not be okay with me being in another relationship, but at least they will understand why. Because after all, if he did all these things, then I would have a reason to go. However, all of it was a lie. And, I, and during those two years, I went to a ministry ministry called Restoring the Foundations. It's up in North Carolina. It's an inner healing ministry. If you've not heard of it, it is amazing. And there was one day where, and keep in mind, I I had been on this trail of lies for two years. And there was one of the sessions where it was called um, Soul Spirit Hurts, where you are talking about um, things that have been said to you that have cursed your life. So, things as a child, you know, if your dad said, you know, oh, you're so stupid, you know, how that affects you and affects your spirit and affects how you think about yourself as you grow up. You know, and so of course I'm sitting there, the total victim, making my list. You know, okay, well, he said this and he did this, and of course all of it's lies, you know. And then whenever they said to me, what have you said that you could have cursed somebody else? I was like, oh, I've never said anything. I'm the most non judgmental person ever. I've never said anything to have cursed anybody. They said, well, have you ever said to, you know, your husband, um, you know, you'll never amount to anything. Well, yeah, I mean, I've said that. You know, well, have you ever said this? And they go through the list, and all of it I had done. And there was this one moment where, where it was like God, in a moment of me living in this horrible lifestyle, God speaks to me, and I realize this could have been me. This whole thing is my fault. And keep in mind, those two years, Casey stayed completely faithful. He never to a single soul on the planet of earth spoke one negative word about me to anyone. Now, mind you, I am cheating on him. During those two years that we are separated, I again went back from relationship to relationship to relationship during those whole two years. And he stayed faithful. He never spoke a word against me. And when other people would come to him, other pastors actually, and would say, Casey, you have every right to move on. We actually have girls here. would be happy. There'd be incredible wives for you. You go ahead. You, you can move on. She's moved on. You can move on. And he would not do it. He never entertained the thought. He never, in, he never went there. Mind, heart, action, nothing. He was not going to do it. He was going to wait because we made a vow. And he was going to pray and believe God that he would do a miracle. And God did. And in January of 2016, I came home. And... Whenever I did, I, and, I, and I knew, I knew whenever I came back, I, and I knew, and it was from that RTF moment of this really could have been all my fault, that I had to kind of take this inward journey of, okay, I'm, do, I, do I go home? Do I not? What do I do? If I go home, there's all these things that I've done that he will never forgive me for, even if I tell him. So if I do go home, which is the right thing to do, it would be years of dating him before he would even almost trust me again to remarry. Now, we didn't know... Because we, we had been through mediation. We had signed the papers. We didn't know the judge had not signed it yet. So we were still married. I didn't know that. We were, he, we were all just kind of unsure of it. So I came home. I sat down with him. The scariest conversation of my life. And I knew I'm going to have to just spill everything. And just hope against hope. That he will at least give me a chance to. We can be friends again. We can date again. And I can come home. And it was hours and hours and hours. We talked well into the morning hours of that first day that I came back and I got my keys to leave, told him, you know, I wanted to meet again. And he put his arms out and told him, he didn't want me to leave. He wanted me to stay. And that was it. And he forgave like that. And we, you know, we spent obviously, you know, several months building trust, working everything out. Of course, then we had our sweet little Asher right after we came home. But that that moment of realizing this was my words, it was my lies, it was my deception that turned this whole ship over here. It was nothing he did. This was a drop of deception at a time into my own mind that I cursed my own marriage. I cursed it to the point of leaving And it's not really that, you know, we speak it, and yes, it can affect the other person. What we say to our husbands, what we say to our children's father, yeah, it can change them, yes. But more than that, it changes how you think about them. Because what you say, you believe it. And when you believe it, you begin to act it out. So if you sit there and say things like, you know, oh, he's so lazy. You know, then, you know, it's not really that he becomes more lazy. It's that you believe he's more lazy, so then any time you see him just sitting around, oh, he's just being lazy. You know, if he's in the shower, he's so lazy, he's in the shower. How dare he? You know, I mean, every little thing becomes an issue. Every, if you say, you know, if you, if you say to yourself, you know, if you're, you know, if you're sitting there talking to him, and he's in what Casey and I call the nothing box. You know, if he's in his nothing box, and he's kind of just wanting to detox, because all men have the nothing box. It is their favorite box. It is the box where they do nothing. And they can sit there and do something mindless for hours at a time. And they just, they zone out. And a total little side note here. They actually did another study on men where they hooked up, you know, all the little wires and things to men. And they actually proved that a man, their, their brain can flatline and still breathe. They've actually proven this. Women can't do it. Women are always thinking, if you're sitting there, if a woman is sitting there watching TV just in a day, she's not thinking about TV. She's thinking about the kids' school and the kids' clothes and if the kids don't have clothes, and then what are they going to do at school? They're not going to be popular and they're never going to be anything in their lives. And if they're never anything in their lives, they're going to end up in prison. That's a woman all the time, 24-7. So if a man is sitting there you know, and, he's, and he's in that box, it's so easy for us to go to him and say, I wish you'd talk to me. Would you talk to me? Please talk to me. The man says, "Honey, I don't want to talk right now. I'm, 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 doing this. You never talk to me. You never, ever, ever want to talk to me. Well, then at first it's kind of funny. Then a couple of days later, you still. I, I really want to talk to you about this. Okay, honey, talk, talk. And then the guy sits there listening. Okay. See, you're just not even listening. You don't even care. You don't care about anything I have to say. And yes, it, 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 it it's, it's funny at first until that really becomes a mindset in a woman. And it really can become a root of deception in a woman's mind that he doesn't listen to me. And what is the first thing the enemy is going to do? He's going to send somebody that will listen to her. And he will send a friend. He will send another man. He will send someone that will feed her a little bit more deception and a little bit, a little bit more attention because that's what she needs so badly. So in the journey that I made in realizing my words have destroyed this man. I've destroyed his reputation. I've destroyed my marriage. How did it get here? How in the world did I get to this place? So there was one day I was sitting at home and I read the verse in Matthew and I want to break it down. This, this is how I found it. Cause I read it and I mean, come on, we've all read that verse. I mean, how many times, even as teenagers, we like, you know, the Bible says not to judge, you know, and like, you know, you're in school wearing, you know, an outfit where the word says do not judge me. You know, and that's just that's just something that you know we've always heard, we've always done. You know, we're at work, don't judge. You know, I'm I'm sitting here, I'm drinking my coffee instead of working, don't judge. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean? Because to me, I really did think I am I am not judgmental. I love everybody. I love them all. Well, let's look at this. So, Matthew, let's look at that first little bit of it really fast. Matthew seven. Do not judge and criticize and condemn. Others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority as if assuming the office of judge. Okay, stop right there. Now, let's look at judge. To judge. To form an opinion or a conclusion about. To give verdict on. To decide the results of. To pronounce, decree, or rule on. So now, if I take just the beginning of that verse. Lindsay, do not form an opinion or conclusion about Casey. Do not give verdict on Casey. Do not decide the results of. Do not pronounce or decree or rule on. Well, now everything changes. And I'm the most judgmental person ever. So then you go back and we, we can keep going on it. Now, you look at the second one. Do not criticize. Okay? To criticize. To indicate the faults of. To find fault with, to rail against, denounce, pummel, trash, nitpick, pour scorn on, lay into, take apart, pull to pieces, or to crucify. So, Lindsay, do not pummel, trash, nitpick, or find fault with Casey. The last one, to condemn, to prove or show guilt of, to force something unpleasant or undesirable, to convict, berate, rebuke, doom, or curse. To sentence punishment, especially death. Lindsay, do not force something unpleasant or undesirable on Casey. Do not convict him, berate him, rebuke him. But now, I have done all of those things. I did all of those things even before I left. I did all of those things whenever everything was great and I was all in. I did all of those things at some given point in time, even after I came home. Because again, it is so easy, it is so easy, dangerously so, to find something so little to nitpick, to rail against them on. That's why why in 1 Corinthians it says, love keeps no record of wrong. Why? Because we're criticizing. Why? Because if we do that to them. It is done to us. And not only is it done to us, it's done to us at the same degree that we have done it to them. And how dare we as mothers and as wives and especially in front of our children ever speak a negative word about their father to them or in front of them. What kind of image is that painting to them? Because after all, if a father is the image of God in the home, what are we saying about the image of God? What are we saying to our children if we are nitpicking and if we're talking about their dad? Well, your dad won't let you do it. Well, what what picture is that painting to them about God? Where instead, now let's think about this. If instead of those little words, you know, he's lazy, he never does anything right you know, uh, your father is dot, dot, dot. My husband is dot, dot, dot. If we cut out the phone calls to all of our friends, if we cut out the little luncheons and the coffees where we sit there and talk about how hard our marriage is and how much we would rather our husband be this kind of a father and how you saw a dad like this one time and you really want your husband to be more like that. He want him to be more like that dad. So if we just cut that out just for one day, just today on Father's Day, what if just for one day... We made a conscious effort that instead we only speak life. Think about what would happen in our own minds. Think about what happens. And it's so easy. There's been so many times, even, even after I came back, when those same you know little disagreements everyone has in marriage, those just little things that, you know, get on your nerves or the little things that they do that kind of bug you, how easy it is to let that seed come into your mind. And if instead in that moment when you're, when you're upset and you're angry and you're frustrated, if instead of thinking, oh gosh, I wish they would stop. What if instead you said, just even to yourself, I bless you and you are the most wonderful man in the world. You are incredible. You are godly. You are hardworking. And I love you for that. And if instead of thinking of all the things that they did wrong, what if we think of everything they do right? What if we just sit there and make a list of it? What if instead, if, if even just me, for example, if I ever get frustrated, I'll look at him and I say, You know, you let me come back, and you didn't have to do that. I don't have a single thing in my life to be frustrated about against you. You forgave me, and I didn't deserve it. There was no better picture of, of the image of God that you could have painted to me, that you looked at me forgiven. That's how you looked at me. I have nothing I can be frustrated about you about. I love you and I honor you and I bless you and I will bless you in front of my kids and I will bless you in front of anybody I see. And I will never, not one time, I will never speak a bad word about you because it is too easy to let that seed get back in my mind. And I've seen the path that that can take me on. I've seen the path that I can take anybody on, and if it's, it's so easy to think, well, that could never happen to me. It can happen to anybody. And if if to your kids, if your kids see that, how are they going to talk to their husbands? How are they going to how are they going to talk to their kids about their kids' father? about your son-in-law, how how, how will that be said? How will your son grow up? How will my little boy grow up if I ever paint a picture to him of anything but honor and respect to his dad? Most likely, he would find a woman that does the same thing to him, and then I'd have to kill her. (laughs) But if instead, I painted a picture to him of honor and respect, he's going to grow up knowing not only not only will I find someone that is honoring and respecting. And this is not about, you know, we are less than them. It's not that. It's the right thing to do. Respect may be earned. honor's given. Honor is given. Whether or not it's earned, honor is given. And what if he grows up and he says, you know, not only will I, you know, I have a wife that is the picture of honor and grace and respect. I will forever look at him in this light because that's the only picture my mother has painted for me so i know him no other way what if what if all of our kids what if all of our kids viewed our, our our spouses like that if they looked at their father with honor and respect they would be their heroes for life and there's no better picture of god to our children everyone stand for me i want us today you can come on will i want to challenge us today now, women, if you know, if you if you don't want to do this, wives, you don't have to. I think it would just be fun. Experiment, because I'm, you know, weird like that. I think it'd be fun. Even if you know, throughout the day, if you find yourself thinking something negatively about your spouse, you know, and and you know, the teenagers here in the room, if you find your or the younger kids, if you find yourself thinking something negative of your dad, I want you to, even if you want to go write write down something good instead and and just take notice of how many times and how often and how easy it is for us to go there in our minds and even if you need to like write a little check Mark well I thought badly of him here what do I need to say good instead you know what do I need to think good instead how can I change my thought pattern to give him honor and blessing what could happen in our homes you know if there's strife in your home what could happen what could change if we changed? What could change? Even fathers, the one challenge I want to give you today, everything I've said to the mothers, let's do the same. Instead of thinking negatively about our children, instead of, and there's times, believe me, I know how easy it is to get frustrated with our kids. Instead of thinking negatively about them, instead of speaking, you know, um, you always do this. You never do that. You never obey when I ask you to obey. You you never clean your room when I say to clean it. Instead of what if we just said, sweetie, would you do this for me? You're always so good at it. Just one day. And just see if the atmosphere changes. And just see what can change in our own minds. If there's more peace. I mean, yeah, you know, your kid might look at you like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, and most likely they probably won't obey instantly. But what changes in their countenance? And how they think about themselves. What changes in your husband's countenance. How he thinks about himself. How your kids view him. So fathers, we love you. You're incredible. We would not be here without you. Some of us quite literally. And we are not who we are without you. You make a huge difference in the world. Even when you don't feel it. Even when you are unappreciated. Even when you are made fun of you you change everything to us and we know it we see it even though sometimes we act like we don't we see it and we love you for that father i pray right now god that you would bless each and every dad in here god bless each and every home bless each marriage each child god these homes are flourishing they are godly Lord, that your presence reigns. There is no strife. There is no tension, God. That each family is exactly what you have called it to be. Each family walks according to your word and to your wisdom. In Jesus' name, we bless you, Hope Unlimited. If you need prayer, our prayer team, you can come on up. If you need prayer for anything in the world, even if you and your spouse want to come up, you and your kids want to come up, if it has nothing to do with family at all, And you just need prayer for anything. Our prayer team is here and they will pray for you. We love you. First time guest. thank you so much for being here today. We love you so much. We hope to see you back. Love you all. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.